1: Hey fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone and I write the Dear Therapist Advice column for The Atlantic.
2: And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. This week, a man who left his wife for the love of his life wonders if that makes him a bad person.
3: I mean, I did leave my wife for another woman, but the rumors that were about were as nasty as can be and set the timeline very differently than what reality was.
1: Listen in and maybe learn something about yourself in the process.
2: Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. By submitting a letter you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it, in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and/ or clarity.
1: Hey Guy. Hi, Lori. So I want to read you this week's letter. Dear Therapists. I'm a 32-year-old father to two young daughters who realized too late that I was not fundamentally in love with my wife. We started dating in college, and our naivete led us to marry young. We both got along by not rocking the boat and decided to have kids. When we had our first daughter, fatherhood engulfed me, and I had never been a part of something so important. However, I didn't feel at all connected to my wife. I loved my daughter, but I felt like I was alone in this endeavor. Two years ago, my existence was lit a fire by another woman, a coworker, to make it more complicated. And as we continued to seek out time to interact, we started sharing ourselves with each other in a way that we had never done with our spouses. Our existence was made complete by each other, and we couldn't go back to what it was before. Fairly recently, we both broke down and ended our marriages in a storm of shock, tears, anger, hatred, and sadness. My wife couldn't understand because she never really understood me. We acknowledged our marriage felt broken, but she expected us to try to fix it because of the commitment we had made. I am now locked in a bitter custody battle as I fight for my right to continue to be the father to my daughters. I am sympathetic to the position I put my ex-wife in, but I can't imagine that the cost of my fatherhood has to be staying in a marriage that I know was not going to give me the fulfilling existence that I can now have with this other woman. My life is over as I knew it. The world around me doesn't seem to accept my decision. My friends have abandoned me, my coworkers think I'm a scumbag, and my wife seems to be trying to poison everyone against me. I didn't think I was making a selfish decision by doing this, But the world around me is doing a good job of convincing me that I am all of the terrible things they say I am. I guess I just don't know how to think anymore about myself or the people around me. Thanks,
2: Mike. Wow. So this is a please tell me I'm not a scumbag letter. And what's interesting to me in the letter is Mike uh, is so articulate about his perspective And his feelings and his point of view, you really get a sense of how he feels about things. It's rich. And then on the other side, you get very unrich descriptions of what his wife experience is and even what his girlfriend's experience is. And though he pays some lip service to, yes, my wife expected this or felt this, it You don't get a sense that he really understands what his wife experiences or perhaps what his girlfriend's is currently either.
1: Right. You said it was like a, please tell me I'm not a scumbag letter. To me, it's, I need to get out of jail letter too, where he's portraying his existence as if he was in jail this whole time. And I understand the experience of feeling trapped, of feeling like you're unfulfilled, but he doesn't take any responsibility for why he might have felt that way because of some role that he might have had in this. And so it's kind of like I was in jail when I was married to my wife, and then this new woman, we complete each other.
2: And yet he's more miserable than ever.
1: Exactly. They both left their marriages. He doesn't really tell us, was it hard for her? I don't hear both of us are going through this and we're really struggling with this. It's I'm going through this and your wife is now been left for this other woman it's humiliating you didn't have any interest in trying to see what went wrong in your marriage cuz she said i want to try to fix it maybe you don't want to but but could you at least have those conversations so that there's some kind of different ending to that marriage he wants us to assuage his guilt and say no you're not selfish rather than him wanting to look inside and say, is there a piece of me that is selfish? And if we can get him to see that piece of himself, maybe he'll have more compassion for the people around him.
2: There's another aspect to this that I wanted to point out, and that there's a lot of passivity that comes through. The whole flavor of the letter is like, all this stuff happened to me. We are all human. We can all make mistakes. He fell in love. That part happens. But what concerns me in these situations is that by not taking responsibility, you're feeling like a victim.
1: Right. He wants to abdicate his responsibility by having us say, no, 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 no. What you did, that was perfectly fine. And it's not so much what he did, it's the way in which he did it.
2: Yes. And I I wonder whether he feels guilt or he just feels the negative perception of the people around him. Because what what we know from guilt, the research often shows that it really prevents people from enjoying life and sometimes even causes them to self-punish. It's called the Dobby effect based on the elf in the harry potter uh, books that you know used to smack his head against the wall and go oh, bad, and and so there's this real phenomena that when you actually feel guilty and you're not dealing with it you can somehow unconsciously take away the pleasure and enjoyment that you might have from life you're listening to dear therapists from iHeartRadio. we'll be back after a quick break
4: With BetterHelp, visit betterhelpcom Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel Dear deartherapists
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques. Whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals, or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
2: This is Dear Therapists. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, let's see what he has to say.
2: Absolutely. Let's talk to him. Mike, very good to meet you. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about where things stand right now in terms of your kids, how they're doing, whether you're seeing them.
3: Yeah. Um, so, how they're doing, I was like, I think, if nothing else, I felt like me and my ex had done a pretty good job of kind of shielding them from some of this drama, just like not let them be a part of, of any of the drama that's going down and try not to like, let them see many. A lot of my negative emotions throughout the last couple of months. How old are the girls? Uh, young, um, just over three and one and a half.
1: What has your time been like with the girls since you guys split up?
3: When we first split, we went through a mediation process. And then after we had filed that mediation agreement ready for our court date, some pretty nasty rumors got to my ex. And it sent her off a deep end.
2: Wow. W- were the rumors
3: true? No, 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 no. There are aspects to the story where, I mean, I'm, I did leave my wife for another woman, but the rumors that were about were at, you know, as nasty as can be and kind of like set the timeline very differently than what reality was. Me and my girlfriend now, we, we work together. So that created some serious drama at, at, at work. <laughs>
1: Were you able to clear up the rumors with your ex-wife to this day? Does she understand that what she heard is not accurate?
3: Not that I know of. We really haven't had a good, I would call a productive conversation for a year. Like the last one really was about a year ago. It was around around this time last year that um, things kind of blew up.
1: What was your communication like with your wife when you were married?
3: Um very surface level i'd say one of the issues was that we didn't share a whole lot of emotions with each other
1: do you know why you didn't share your emotions with your wife when you were married
3: i guess i would say they didn't really feel safe like the handful of times i i went tried to go a little deeper it didn't feel like it was a supportive place to bring them up i thought i just was always worried about how it was going to change how she thought of me so, like, the couple of times I brought up what were some of my darker things, um, it was, like, almost, like, pushed aside, like, don't burden me with that kind of thing.
1: Would she use those words, or what? how did you get the impression?
3: It was met with a lot of just kind of, like, you know, I would say silence, but not necessarily, like, intentionally negative silence, more just, like, she didn't know what to say to me, silence.
2: And what about the actual relationship? Were you able to talk with her about your dissatisfactions with it or the fact that it wasn't what you wanted it to be? Had you made efforts in that regard?
3: I, would, I can think of like two or three times a few years ago where like I was telling her what was bothering me and she snapped and said, stop telling me what I'm doing wrong I remember like being taken aback, but thinking like, that's not what I was doing necessarily, but it definitely felt like she didn't want to have that conversation about like how we could be doing differently. So I tried once or twice. I wouldn't say I tried very hard. It felt easier just to like live the circus level life that we had been kind of like living and making dinner, not saying much, putting on a show, going to bed without much conversation. It wasn't particularly negative. It just wasn't super positive.
1: What do you think would have happened if you had said to her, I'm not saying that you're doing something wrong. I want to talk about
3: something that's going on with us. I don't know. At this point, it'd only be hindsight. um,
1: Well, the reason it's not hindsight is that you're going into a new relationship and there's something to be learned about what didn't work in another relationship. At least you're part of it.
3: Yeah. Okay. I hear that.
1: And I'm just wondering, you know, why do you think you did not pursue it given how desperately alone and unhappy you felt?
3: One of the things I've really been struggling with, I didn't necessarily know what I didn't have until I had it with somebody else. So like, my existence wasn't super negative in, in a certain way. Like it wasn't like I went home every day miserable trying to avoid my wife. I didn't have a partnership that I've always felt like should have been there. So when I found it somewhere else, it was like, oh, man, this is it was, it was so eye opening. It felt like I fell in love with someone else. And that's why I fell out of love with, with my wife. And I, I do struggle with wondering what could have happened if I had tried harder. Or tried differently, it's definitely something I like. Get pretty down on myself about wondering what I could have done differently to make the situation better for me and my ex, rather than but just finding it somewhere else.
2: Are there other areas in your life in which you kind of feel unsatisfied, but you really struggle to know how to mm. make things better or to take the initiative? Because you seem to say, "Okay, I settled." Do you do that in other areas of your life?
3: Yeah, I guess so. So like in my career, I am a classroom teacher. I don't have aspirations to do much more with it. I don't want to be an administrator. I don't want to be a principal. So it's not like I'm not unsatisfied, but I'm also not striving to do anything more with it. I think that in a certain way, that's kind of how I thought about my marriage at first. Something about the two seemed similar to me, like where I just found myself going with what I had rather than thinking about what how i wanted to change it
2: and do you do that in other relationships and friendships accept what there is and go with it rather than change it i guess so will you say all your friends have turned against you? yeah
3: i might have lost lots of friendships like my best man in my wedding since september we spent a few months not talking we got back in touch we were just talking about random stuff like common interests, soccer and Throughout some of my more negative times of feeling very down and feeling just like really uh, uh, depressed about not having custody of my kids, he just wasn't a supportive, even though he was willing to talk about soccer with me, he wasn't a supportive person. He didn't He didn't try to care about how I was feeling or why I was feeling it. It definitely felt like he thought it was more like, a, well, you made your decisions, so live with them kind of thing. And Even though he was willing to be my friend, I think I'm choosing not to be a part of that friendship more than anything.
2: But have you said to him, for example, like, dude, you are my best man. I really need your support Mm -hmm. right now. Did you talk to him about the friendship and fight
3: for it? I tried to start a few conversations and each one was met with um, some derision on his part of like, uh, why can't you just let it go? And I I said, like, you're my best friend. I've never been in a darker place than I am right now. And it it wasn't met with just compassion that I would have thought the friendship would have carried with it.
1: You know what strikes me about. Um, that friendship and also your first marriage when you were feeling really unhappy and unsatisfied is that I think what the other people didn't hear was, I understand where you're coming from too. Hmm. And so with your friend, he probably had a lot of feelings, maybe based on rumor, maybe based on what actually happened. Earlier in our conversation, you said, I I feel a lot of guilt around how I handled things. And I don't know if you've ever really said that to your wife about, I, I understand that I didn't handle certain things really well, that maybe you didn't feel like there was space for that or that it would be met with more blame. But I don't know that your, that your ex heard that. And I don't know that your friends have heard that either. It sounds like you were saying to your friend, I'm in a really dark place. I'm really struggling. And I think what your friend might've been hearing was, I left my wife. I left my kids. I'm with the love of my life and I'm a victim, (laughs) right? And maybe that isn't the place that your friend could meet you. Maybe your friend could meet you in a place of, "I, I know this is really complicated. I know that you might not have a lot of sympathy for me right now. I know that I did a lot of things wrong and I didn't handle them well. And And I I can understand why you might have the feelings that you have about me. And at the same time, maybe we could have a, a more nuanced conversation about how complicated the situation was. And here's what I'm willing to take responsibility for. And also, here's where I'm struggling. I think that might be part of the reason that people aren't able to have the compassion for you that you do deserve.
3: Interesting. So that definitely sits well. Something I realize is that like uh, almost like perspective taking is not my natural instinct. So I do know that. And I think I don't think I tried hard enough to figure out where he was. I have apologized or tried to apologize more than once to my ex. I'd really tried to be as sincere as possible at different times. Just like, I'm so sorry for this and for what happened and for what this brought to your life as well. But So there's
1: a but there already. I'm so sorry that I ruined your life, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so yeah. I think you hit it on the head right there when you said perspective taking is a little bit of a challenge for you. I wonder if right now you could tell us the story of what happened solely from the perspective of what your ex-wife's experience might be have been and what it might still be. Without making you a terrible person, there are the actions and then there's who the person is. And I think that sometimes what gets in the way of perspective taking for people is when they feel like if they take the other person's perspective, it's going to make them seem like they are inherently a bad person as opposed to I did some things that were bad. Okay. So could you tell us the story from your ex wife's perspective? Tell us what what the marriage was like for her.
2: Just before you do, Mike, just one thing to keep in mind. This is a real exercise for you because perspective taking is something you can improve and so it's difficult, but you actually have to put yourself in her shoes and imagine it and then from that place try and describe what you're seeing and feeling
1: start with first person her first person so i got married to mike
3: okay so i got married to mike after a whirlwind courtship in college um he was my first ever boyfriend the first relationship i had really had outside of my family
1: what did you love about him
3: it's okay to cry um, I Mike's not sure how to answer that but Mike's gonna try I um,
1: let's give your, your ex a name what's her name? Elizabeth Okay. so we're talking to Elizabeth Elizabeth what did you love about Mike?
3: he was fun he was different than other people who I've sort of been around and surrounded myself with had more of a more whimsy, more of a, a way to, to bring humor to a situation. He loved me, was very committed and into me and gave me a lot of attention. Kind of like made the relationship seem to be the most important thing in either of our lives. You said it was a, a whirlwind courtship. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, the first night we hung out together, I can remember just like feeling so Free, just like walked down the middle of the street on the way back from the bars with him. I had been talking to my friend while at the bar and and he, she knew I liked Mike. So when I got in to the apartment after he kissed me goodnight, it was like a really special thing and it was very exciting. Just like from kind of that point on, the next night we hung out and pretty much most nights after that. How did Mike propose? Um stupidly. He, got, he proposed in the parking lot of Kohl's when we were buying a vacuum for our first apartment. Did he have a ring? He did have a ring. It was a family ring. Mike doesn't find a whole lot of value in expensive jewelry and really appreciated not having to spend a, a full paychecks on something. But there was a family ring that I knew was, was meaningful to me and was meaningful to my mom. So he thought it'd be meaningful to me.
1: Did you find the proposal romantic or did you feel like it did you feel like it wasn't really thought out?
3: I was really excited on hindsight, as I thought more about it in the story. I think I would have rather would have liked a better story mm-hmm. to tell. But but in the moment it was it felt very him. Did you say that to Mike Eva? That there might be an opportunity for
2: him to improve on that? You mean to on a birthday oh, and an anniversary uh, to no
3: make a romantic no, gesture no I never did though I would have thought that he would have taken away that from other things I had said and other things I showed I valued
1: what were some of the things you communicated to him that would have maybe helped him to see that um, you liked a little more thought to go into some of these romantic gestures
3: I'm not sure I could have said much he's pretty stubborn and opinions he has.
1: How did you try to communicate to him?
3: I wouldn't say I tried super hard, but but Mike's very perceptive. He thinks and took away from just other things I that he knew I would have valued. Just you know, talking fondly about other people's stories of romanticism and just Mike probably thought I valued mm. that. So looking
2: back now, when did you feel first? even if you didn't realize it at the time, that Mike was beginning to drift emotionally away from you.
3: It wasn't very long after our first daughter was born. I could tell how much he was into being a father and how connected he was to our daughter. And I could tell it didn't translate to me in the same way, that there wasn't a, a connection between us because of her, that it almost felt like it was separate. And I, and I guess I'll pause in a way to say like, that's what I feel happened.
1: So we want to stop you there. I'll tell you why, because we really want to keep you in her perspective. And I think that anytime you leave her perspective, you're going to lose the important part of this exercise. Okay. Elizabeth, when you were pregnant, uh, how connected did you guys feel? Were you both really excited about having a child together? What was the pregnancy like for you?
3: Yeah, we were very excited. He made it every Sunday. We uh, took pictures and he made a stop motion video of my belly getting larger. And then we set up a crane to come down from the balcony. And he wrote a song and sang a song to video. And so every Sunday we would take these, you know, however many pictures to create the time lapse. And so it was something we were both very excited about. So it sounds like at that stage
2: you were still thinking that you were included in that in some way, and yet, then after your daughter was born, you start to realize that actually it's more directed towards her and not towards you.
3: What did that feel like? That must have been painful. Probably, I think it was easy to not look it directly in the face because of how of my of you know just my own excitement and taking care of a young child. put a lot of my energy into that and put a lot of pressure on myself to do everything right as a mother. I and mean, I think that took away some of my attention to my feelings about my relationship with Mike. And yeah there must have been moments where where you felt it. Yeah, yeah, there were. there were, yeah, I uh, specifically asked one of my cousins who I'm close with were the same age if you know, he also felt lonely because I, I was feeling very lonely in this, that stage of my life. I guess that was six months after, or more like a year after I thought I was born, when I asked my cousin that.
1: How did Mike know that you asked your cousin about this?
3: I told him after he told me he wanted to leave me. Mike and I had a lot of conversation between when he dropped that bombshell on me and when our ability to communicate broke down. I tricked myself into feeling like it was actually for the better that we were separating and that we would be better apart. How so? I think he held me back in a certain way. I think he, was, he had a pretty overbearing personality and I don't think I wanted to rock the boat as enough or cared enough to kind of like, assert my own opinions into the relationship. But were you not thinking that you were going to be together forever? I was. I was. Up until the end, I was. Once we had kids and then had another, I, th- I, I thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion.
1: How did you and Mike talk about having a second kid, given that you were feeling disconnected and you were feeling like Mike was more invested in your daughter than in you? Yeah. <laughs> did you want that, Elizabeth?
3: I did. I'm the oldest of two girls, And me and my sister are really close. So, you know, through our whole relationship, two kids was kind of what we thought we were going to have. So after the first was born, it was almost like an ongoing kind of unspoken, mostly then spoken thing of, well, when are we going to have another one?
2: The fact that Mike wanted to have another child must have reassured you that he was invested in the marriage, that he cared enough about you, that he wanted to expand the family. That must have given you some hope.
3: Yeah, I bet it was easy to, to feel that way.
1: Did you feel romantically connected to Mike? What was your intimate life like?
3: We have different ways of expressing affection for people, I think.
1: How did you express affection for him?
3: The affection was very much driven by Mike. And when it started to lessen, um, I didn't even notice until it was... Nearly gone.
1: And when it was nearly gone, did you say anything or did you miss it?
3: I didn't say anything. Did you miss
1: it? Did you feel hurt?
3: It added to feelings of loneliness I had had. You were really
2: expecting that this was a relationship that would go on, have its ups and downs. Tell us about when that bubble burst. Tell us about the bombshell.
3: I knew that Mike had something going on. He was drinking more. There was something very clearly between us that we're kind of skirting a certain issue of just like general unhappiness, and I was sharing in him my my general unhappiness as well. And I when we expressed loneliness in each other, and wait, hold on, Elizabeth, so, Elizabeth,
1: what what happened when you would express your your unhappiness and loneliness uh, to Mike? How did he respond to you?
3: By putting it on the relationship. What did that look like? like acting like a yeah see kind of thing we are both lonely looking back on it it feels easy to see that mike was kind of like setting
2: up mike might have been elizabeth but when you were sharing yours when most people do that what they hope is for the other person to reach the Mm -hmm. gap is to reach across the gulf it's usually a request to get closer so what you were doing was asking him to get closer.
3: I'm not sure it seemed like to Mike that that's what I was doing.
2: Perhaps not, but that's what you were
3: doing. I
1: don't know. We call those making bids, right? You were you were making a bid for some kind of connection, and when you would make a bid for connection, he would say. This is why the relationship is doomed. What did that feel like to you? I don't know. (laughs) Let me ask the question differently. So remember that guy with the whirlwind courtship, the guy that was so fun and he felt so attentive and he really loved you and you were so excited to marry him. What did that feel like when the person you love that much and that you're trying to reconnect with won't engage with you?
3: Lonely. Probably felt a little, I don't know, untethered to anything. Elizabeth,
2: you just had two kids and you talk to your friends and they tell you yeah it's a rough patch that happens but the way you think elizabeth it's like the foundation of it is that we're going to be together forever that's how i see mm-hmm. my life that's how i see my world and then you express to mike that you need to reconnect again that you're feeling alone and you're sure that he'll say, Oh yeah, me too, and let's really try and spend more time on us or do do something. And he's not making you feel more loved. He's suddenly making you feel that foundation that you had crafted your whole life and future around wasn't stable. And that's your life. So what was that like? World changing. Your world's not changing, it's collapsing, Elizabeth. That feels very different than the world changing. It's collapsing.
3: world collapsing, falling apart.
2: What is that like when everything that you care about is falling apart? The worst. Did Mike see how painful that was for you?
3: I'm not sure he showed that he cared a whole lot. Well, wow. that must have been rough. He seemed so focused on this next part of his life that he wanted. So what was that
2: like? Your your foundation that you built your hopes and dreams on is collapsing and Mike is just focused on his next move and leaving you
3: with the wreckage. However many synonyms that mean really 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 hard. <laughs> and try a few. Uh,
2: you're a teacher. You have vocabulary. I'm a science
1: teacher. So. Your letter to us was so articulate about your own feelings. Our listeners can't see this, but I see the tears in your right. eyes, and I know that you're feeling something as you go into Elizabeth's experience. And so I know you have it's, words. It, it's guilt.
3: It's guilt I've, it's guilt. I've, I've, I've held on to.
1: I, I, I think it's, you might have some guilt, and we hear that in your letter, but I also think that you have something more than that, which is empathy. And, and I think that the reason that you're feeling the guilt is because you can empathize with Elizabeth's experience. So this isn't intended to make you feel more guilty. It's actually intended to make both of you more at peace and to move forward in a different way. So if you can get out of the, I'm a bad person because Elizabeth feels bad and I can't tolerate contemplating how bad I made Elizabeth feel, then nothing will change in terms of what happens in the future and and I feel most sad in that instance for your daughters
3: yeah me too
1: so let's look at how you can understand a little bit more about that moment for Elizabeth so Elizabeth first you try to talk to Mike about this gulf that you're feeling in the marriage and the relationship and you love this guy so much you want that connection back and he's being very cold and distant and not engaging and not working as a partner with you on yes i feel lonely too and let's talk about this that was not what you got even though you suspected that you were both having very similar feelings and then at some point you hear this news can, can you tell us how you got that news
3: it was just a thursday night after you know I, he actually went to his first therapy appointment that week he must have been hopeful then people
2: are often hopeful when they Husband who's distant goes to therapy. They think, oh, he'll he'll come back
3: now. It felt like he can't talk to me about whatever he's going through, but I'm happy he has someone to talk to about it.
1: How did the therapy
3: happen for Mike? He just told me one day I made a therapy appointment, and it's, it's it was. Uh, he told me he made it before the birth of our second child, but then he the first appointment wasn't um, until a month later.
1: So you were hopeful that he would start to understand more about maybe what was going on
3: with him Mm -hmm. and therefore be
2: closer. Come back to you more. Yeah. Thursday night, he comes back
3: and tell us we put our older daughter to bed. and Where's your newborn? Asleep. Okay. On a, on a pillow. So in
1: the, in the room
3: where you guys are having the conversation, he sat down on the couch and without looking at me, just said, I'm in love with somebody else. I don't think we can be together anymore. Well. well, how did you feel first? What was going through your body? A lot of physical reaction to shock. Just wanted to cry, but couldn't really cry. wanted to ask a million questions but didn't have the, didn't know what questions to ask asked him who it was wasn't super surprised about who it was
2: and you realized that this was going on while you were pregnant
1: mm-hmm. remember in the first pregnancy um how mike did that time lapse and was so invested in the baby was he involved in that way with the second pregnancy while he was having this other relationship
3: He's always so invested in our other daughter. That seems to be where his focus was throughout the uh, the second pregnancy, but it, it didn't feel the same as the first pregnancy. It didn't feel the same connection between us. So here we are. It's a month. You've just given
2: birth. You have a newborn right there. Your husband just came back from therapy and you're thinking, okay, maybe this is the start of us reconnecting and becoming a real family again and he tells you that he's in love with someone else and you know who it is and it makes sense to you and in that moment what is it you're realizing
3: hopeless how can i do this with that myself
2: what is it you feel when your whole world is just being taken away from you it's more than hopeless Yeah, I'm saying this to Mike now. You're stuck in your head that if you really describe how she feels, it makes you the bad person who made her feel that way. And that's stopping you from connecting to what her experience was. So you have to be able to allow yourself to go there without feeling that
3: it demonizes you. Because this is her perspective now, it's not yours. I'm just having trouble describing what I know would be probably one of the worst feelings to, ever, to to have. I can't possibly know what it felt like to be her last spring, but I do know that she had an incredibly hard time.
1: See, I think you can imagine what it was like to be her last spring. Having trouble right now then, anyway. So let's just notice that for now. Just notice that that's a challenge right now. And, and that's gonna be part of the challenge going forward, where, like with your friend, like with Elizabeth, where if they don't see the entirety of of who you are, they are only going to see this demonized version of you. Because we see in this conversation how much empathy you do have for her, how much you were actually uh, able to what we call mentalize, which is to get into the emotional space of the other person. So we know you have that capacity, but I think because it makes you really uncomfortable to acknowledge to yourself how much discomfort and hurt and pain you may have caused other people that you're not able to own up to that. Saying I'm sorry, but is not what will help you move forward or Elizabeth move forward or your kids eventually make sense of this in a way that works well for you guys as a family.
3: It felt incredibly unfair to be me as Elizabeth. It was unfair. I had done everything right up to that point. I got married. I had a house. I had kids. I had a husband who I thought loved me. And here I am, 30 years old, and I can't even imagine what my life was going to look like a month from now, a year from now, five years from now.
1: Yeah. And there's the other piece of she loves you. And there's the heartbreak part of it, too. And we're not saying that Elizabeth didn't have a role in this. Clearly... As we saw, she did, you know, she may have tried in her way to bring things up, but neither of you knew how to communicate. I think if Elizabeth was on this call, she would feel this relief of, oh, wow, he can see me. He understands something about why this was so devastating for me in a way that you've never expressed to her before. And there's something as humans where what we really need is I see you, I hear you, I understand you. Doesn't make it all better, doesn't change whatever feeling she's going to have, but there's something that shifts in the dynamic between the two of you when someone says, oh, wow, you get it. This was how I felt. And you can see that. There's something so healing about that.
2: And the healing, Mike, depends on you getting it right so that she really feels that you get it. And that could be really useful to you both as
3: co-parents going forward and to you. Yeah, I hear you. I just, having lived the relationship now from what it is for the last however many months, where it's been so negative that we can barely communicate. um, I don't know if she's even in a place to hear from me in that way.
1: So we have some thoughts. We know this was, this was probably a hard conversation.
3: It really, really was.
1: Yeah. And the reason is we only had this short time with you. And we really want to help you feel better going forward. And that doesn't mean that feeling better is going to be us saying, you're not a scumbag. But I will say, you're not a scumbag, which is what you asked uh, in your letter. But we don't think that's actually going to be that helpful to you to hear it from us what we think is going to be more helpful is if you can work more on that perspective taking so that people can see that you understand their experience as well. And also that you own without buts, without exceptions, that you own your part in it. You had reasons for doing what you did. But in hindsight, I think you can see that there were also ways that you handled it that maybe going forward you wouldn't handle a similar situation. What it does is it says, I'm more aware and I really feel for you. And whether it matters to them or not, that you've expressed that to them. And it's not just a general, I'm sorry, but it's what we were doing earlier. Of, wow, now I really see how this must have felt and how you feel now, right?
2: would like you to write a letter that explains from Elizabeth's point of view, what her experience was and what the consequences of your action were from her perspective. But here's how I want you to do it. I know perspective taking is difficult for you. I want you to start by explaining your perspective, by saying that you realize you shouldn't have probably married, that it wasn't as big a love as it might have been That you realized that when you found real love, that that wasn't enough. You kind of knew it and suspected it, but you realized it later on. So I want you to kind of set up your side of things in the first part. And then I want you to write only her part of things. And then you describe what happened, and you describe the impact on her, what she must have felt, what it must have been like. All the stuff we did in that exercise. And then I want you, when you're done, to take out that first part so that it's not part of the letter. It's important for you to write it because you tend to get blocked with the perspective taking because you keep wanting to explain your part. So I want you to start that way. So you have it all there, but then take it out because that's not the point of the letter. The point of the letter is to be able to show her and perhaps your best man that you really get it.
1: And again, you worry that they're going to say, see, you are a scumbag. I think it's going to be the opposite. When you're writing it, you're not making the case that you're not a scumbag, but that you did mishandle things. Here's your opportunity to show them that you can take their perspective and that you do own the parts of it that were yours.
2: Yeah. Mike, it was good to talk to you. And we really do wish you the best.
3: Hey, you guys too.
1: Take care, Mike. We look forward to hearing back from you.
3: Okay, take care. Bye.
2: So Laurie, what do you think is going to happen?
1: I think he's in a really tricky place right now. And I think that the advice that we gave him will serve him more in the long term than in the short term. I don't think he's going to actually give these letters to his ex or to his friend. But I do think having that perspective taking exercise will help him with how he negotiates things with his ex-wife, how he negotiates his friendships going forward how he negotiates his new relationship, and also how he is as a parent as he spends more time with his children.
2: I agree. I think maybe he'll give it to the friend, but we know as therapists that when we suggest people write letters, really we're in it for the writing. In other words, what you gain, you gain in the writing. So I hope that he gives this a try. And I do think it'll benefit him in the long term if he can do it.
1: This is Dear Therapists, and we'll be back after a short break.
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives, Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you
4: tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Scentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat.
2: I'm Guy Winch.
1: And I'm Lori Gottlieb. And this is Dear Therapists. Well, let's listen to the voicemail.
3: So I wrote two letters this morning. One to who my best man was and one to my ex. It's hard to describe the experience. I chose not to take one part of your advice. I did not write my own perspective down before writing what I thought was theirs. I felt this morning that it... I focused too much on, on my own perspective and I was trying to move beyond it and trying to find theirs without needing to name mine first. Ultimately, I cried a lot while writing the letter to to my ex in the same way I felt the experience while I was ex- describing it. I don't want to lose sight of the negative feelings that I caused her. I just hope that at some point she can forgive me for those negative feelings, and yeah, just for the sake of our daughters, if nothing else, I sent the email to my best friend, a lot shorter, I didn't add as many details, but I did want him to see that I had not been thinking of his perspective much at all, and I hope he can hear that, and especially when it comes to the pressure I was putting on him to feel and think a certain way about my life as I was just desperately seeking his understanding. I am super impressed
2: with Mike because what comes across from his voicemail is this whole idea of perspective taking. He really took that on board. And I'm hopeful that he's looking at relationships slightly differently and is going to conduct himself differently going forward.
1: Yeah, I was incredibly impressed with what he did. I think it was really hard for him, for anybody it would be, to come into this situation at the place that he was. We were very hard on him in that session because we only had a certain amount of time with him. And sometimes people aren't able to take in what you're giving them when you move that quickly. And so in a therapy session, we would not move that quickly.
2: It would be weeks of that, months.
1: Right, exactly. So it was really interesting to see that even though at the end of that call, he seemed a little bit deflated, he really took in what we said. And so much to the point that he decided not even to include his own perspective because he realized I have trouble taking other people's perspective. Now, of course, we want him to keep his perspective. We don't ever want someone to lose their own perspective. But I think that he was realizing that the exercise would be easier for him in this instance if he did it that way. And the one thing that I want to say if he's listening to this is that he said, I hope that they'll forgive me. And what I want to say is, Mike, I hope that you will forgive yourself, that that's the place we want to get him to, that once he can take this other perspective, that eventually he will come to a place of forgiving himself as well. And I think then he will be able to really move forward.
2: I agree. And I think that what's lovely to hear is when we're telling someone that there is an important part of life that is not appearing on their radar. And then... They respond in a way that indicates that it's now appearing on their radar. It gives us as therapists, and for Mike, a lot of hope. That brings us to the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening.
1: You can follow us both online. I'm at lori.gotlieb.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at laurigotlieb1, or on Instagram at laurigotlieb author.
2: And I'm at guywinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at GuyWinch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iHeartMedia.com.
1: Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric.
2: Next week, there's an old real estate adage that goes location, location, location. We'll talk about how that applies in a marriage.
0: I think I've said many times, I never want to live in Omaha, ever.
3: And I said I'd never want to live in New York. (laughs) And we did both.
1: Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you,